Hello, this is Father Reed Henserling at All Saints Episcopal Church, and we're going to share the Word of God today, the daily lectionary in the church, and we will be looking at the sixth Sunday after Pentecost, the sixth Sunday after Pentecost. Remember, Pentecost Sunday was at the end of May, and the first Sunday after Pentecost is traditionally called Trinity Sunday, and then thereafter, second Sunday, third, fourth, fifth, and we go all the way to the end of November or the first of December, mostly the end of November, till we get to the last Sunday after Pentecost. This is the second major part of the year. The first part of the year is Advent through Pentecost Sunday, and the second part is the first, second, third, fourth, etc., to the last Sunday after Pentecost, usually from June till November. Now we are in proper 10 if you are looking for the scriptures in the prayer book and we are in year two. We're going to be looking this week from Sunday, July 12th through Saturday, July 18th. Now we're going to be looking at three major scriptures, Joshua, Romans, our continuation of Romans, and our continuation of Matthew. We're almost at the end of Matthew right now. We'll be looking at chap- the very, very famous chapter, chapter 25 and chapter 26 as we start his uh, preparation for his crucifixion, Jesus' crucifixion. Then we have Romans 11 through Romans 12. And then we have the book of Joshua. So we'll start there with the book of Joshua. Now, here's the situation in the Old Testament. Remember, we had Moses that had led the people of Israel out of their bondage of 400 plus years to Egypt. And he led them through the Red Sea, and they were triumphant in terms of getting away from the Egyptians. And remember, the waters closed in on the Egyptians, and they perished. But they wandered around for 40 years because they didn't believe that the Lord, when they sent the spies out to spy the land that they were going to take, Only Joshua and Caleb, this is in Numbers, only Joshua and Caleb believed that they could take the land. So because of their sin against the Lord and their lack of belief, they wondered until that generation had died off. Now Moses, unfortunately, because of his sin against the Lord, was not able to enter the land. And as if you remember, and you you joined us in the fifth Sunday after Pentecost, we talked about the succession of Moses, which was Joshua. So the book of Joshua is about the conquest of the peoples in the land, because there's people already there. Remember, this land was promised by God to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and he was going to fulfill their promise. Why? Because in order for this Messiah to be born, which of course is Jesus, in order for the Messiah to be born, he had to come from a people, and the people had to have land. And this is the land, present-day Israel, where what where God Almighty promised. Now, there was one extraordinarily serious problem. There were already people in the land. So, they had to be dealt with in such a way that the people of Israel would inhabit the land. Now, you couldn't just ask them to leave because they felt that they should be there. So, there were many peoples that were gathered in the land and Joshua had to go by and systematically take care of it. He had, to con- he had to defeat them. There had to be battles. So the book of Joshua is very much about that. The second thing I want to say from a spiritual perspective, for those of you that want to read Joshua in your own 
day and time so that it has some value for you today, not just being a series of historical conquests, defeats and losses, victories, good things happening mostly and some bad things, is the idea that God will fight for you. That if you are on the side of the Lord and you are doing his will and you are serving him and honoring him, and we'll start with Joshua 20, uh, chapter 1, he will fight for you. He will go to battle for you. He will help you conquest the thing that's defeating you. And that's a very important idea. In Joshua chapter 1 on Monday, uh, on Sunday, I should say, July 12th, we have the great chapter, chapter 1, 1 through 18, the entire chapter. And here's the great words. I've been reading these words all of my life, and they are fabulous. Verse 6, be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. So he had made a promise to give them land. Joshua is going to be the one that he is going to use. Be strong and very courageous. Courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do what I told Moses. You do the same thing. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left so that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let the book of this, this book of the law depart from your mouth. What should I do, Lord? Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. That is a great antidote for living life well. Know the book of the law. Know the scriptures. Do not depart from it for the left or the right of the law. Meditate on the law. Meditate on the scriptures. Meditate on God's word. Um, believe the scriptures, know the scriptures, live out the scriptures. Put Christ first in your life. Put the scriptures first in your life. Know what the scriptures are. I say this all the time to parents and grandparents. Teach your children, your grandchildren the scriptures. May they know the scriptures. Absolutely crucial. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So the caveat is you do what I tell you to do, you follow my rules and regulations, you're going to be fine. You're going to win battles. You're going to be victorious. And of course, conversely, if you don't, then there's going to be major problems. On Tuesday in the second chapter, there's the famous story about Rahab and the spies. Please read that, he, how God uses a uh, ungodly person to save people. And God will do that. He'll use ungodly people. He'll use people that we wouldn't normally use so it's a beautiful scripture about how God sovereignly works. We also see, that's Monday, on Tuesday, uh, we have that great story. And then in three, chapter 3 on Wednesday, we have them crossing the Jordan. Now that's extraordinarily important geographically because they were camped on the east side of the Jordan River, which ran north-south. So when they crossed it, they were stepping into hostile ground. Verse 13 of chapter 3. As soon as the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan, the water flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. So we have this great miracle that God does as a result of them crossing the Jordan River. And this was important. On Thursday, we finish with chapter 3 and we go to chapter 4. And so he's setting up, he's, he, Joshua, is setting up and God is doing miracles and setting up his people to take the land. And Joshua has been called by God to be the leader. He's been anointed to the leader. Moses has placed his hands on him, as you remember from last week. He has been commissioned by God. He is ready to go. When we look at chapter 
419 to 51 and 10 to 15 on Friday, we see this extraordinary scripture in verse 15 of chapter 5. The commander of the Lord's army replied, Take off your sandals, for the place you're standing is holy. This is a person that Joshua sees in verse 13 with a drawn sword in his hand. Are you for us or for our enemies? Neither, but his commander of the army of the Lord have come. Joshua falls face down on the ground. What message do you have? Take off your sandals. The place you're standing is holy. So God Almighty, the commander of the Lord's army, some people think that's Jesus, or certainly a very powerful angel. Lord's in charge, folks. He's going to take care of us. He's got a drawn sword. And finally, in chapter 6, and of course, we'll pick up the rest of it in the next week, we see the fall of Jericho. You all know that story. It's a very, very, very famous story. On the seventh day, verse 4, they marched around the city seven times. The priests blew their trumpets when they heard a long blast on the trumpets. Have all the people give a loud shout. Then the walls of the city will collapse and the people will go up each man straight in. And the walls fell, as all of you know. And we'll look at the rest of that next week. But the walls fell fall. Why did the walls fall? Because the people did what God said, even if it was stupid and was strange and different and didn't make any sense. Do what the Lord tells you to do. Follow the word of the Lord. Be strong and courageous. Do his will and follow him, even if it doesn't make any sense, and you're going to be a whole lot better off. In Romans chapter 11, we have a very tough scripture. Romans 9, 10, and 11 are not the easiest scriptures in the New Testament. And he talks about the remnant of Israel, the remnant of Israel. And he says in verse six, I love this verse. And he says, so too, verse five, at the present time, there is a remnant chosen by grace. A remnant is that group of people that God Almighty has saved for his purposes. And it's a small group. The others have turned from the Lord, but the Lord is saving these persons. And if by grace, then it's no longer by works. If it were, grace would no longer be grace. So people are saved by the grace of God. And the grace of God is very, very important. Now, what you see in chapter 11 is Paul, as an Israelite, as a Jewish person, is dealing in 9, 10, and 11 with salvation in Christ to the Jewish nation. Now, it's, just read it slowly. Think about the words that are being said. And he talks in the latter half of chapter 11, which we see on Tuesday and Wednesday, we see the importance of the Gentiles and how the Gentiles are grafted into what God is doing. And he talks about grafting. He talks about olive branches. It's a beautiful line. Verse 22, consider therefore the kindness and sternness of God, sternness to those who fell, but kindness to you, provide that you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you will be cut off. So he's talking about belief. He's talking about unbelief. He's talking about the kindness of God in saving the Gentiles when he didn't have to and his mercy on the Jewish people and how the Jewish people were being used by God to save the Gentiles. And then finally, at the end of chapter 11, uh, we have the very famous doxology. Oh, the depth of the riches of the knowledge and wisdom of God, how unsearchable his judgments, his paths beyond tracing out, Who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay him? For from him and through him and to him are all things. 
To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. We call that the doxology. And then when we go into chapter 12 on Thursday, it's a whole different, um, he's, he's taking a very radical uh, shift there. So what he does in chapter 11, he has lots of scriptural references to the Old Testament, heavy laden with Old Testament language, and he's merely explaining how God is using Israel to save the Gentiles, the salvation of the Gentiles, and how God is going to have mercy on the Jewish people. In chapter 12, we have an eminently very practical chapter on Thursday and Friday, 1 through 8, and then 9 to 16. We have a very, 9 to 21, sorry. Uh, And just that whole section is very readable and very easy. It's amazing. You go from a fairly difficult chapter in 11 to in chapter 12, um, it's just straight up, you, you can understand every word of it. And he's giving some practical advice in terms of leading, in terms of living your life. Let me share a couple of them before we go to chapter 13. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. That's good advice. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. What if we all did that? Wouldn't that be great? Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your f- spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Wouldn't that be great too? Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Pl- persecute you. Bless and do not curse. And I can go through the whole thing. So when you get to Friday in your readings, because I'll be reading these along with you because I'm reading the daily lectionary on a regular basis, you just think about those words. Think about incorporating them in your life. Think about what they mean. Think about how the Holy Spirit can encourage you and me to act upon them well. Verse 17, do not repay anyone evil for evil. In Romans 13, I could talk about Romans 13, 1 through 7 for a very long time. This is the locus classicus text on the government and how the government uh, works in terms of spiritual realities and their spiritual, their authority and how God uses the authority of the state to govern us and what our proper response is should be. Now, I know that's a lot to think about. Um, everyone must submit to the governing authorities, for there's no authority except that which God has established. That's the first verse. The authorities that exist have been established by God. That's a very strong verse in chapter 13, verse 1. So Paul is talking about submission to the authority of the state and how that works, and that is a very, very large issue. But again, what are we doing? We're reading the scriptures. We're praying about them. We're praying about what God should say to us. And we're asking, maybe for the first time we're reading this text. And we just want to get that in our heads. We want to think about what he's saying here. For those of you that have read this many times, this will be familiar to you. But it's not usually a text that there's many sermons on, many homilies. So enjoy that. In Matthew chapter 25, we have the great three, um, the great three teachings I love these three teachings, and again, I could talk about these for a very long time. But again, enjoy the reading. It's so beautiful to be able to read the Bible. The first one is the parable of the ten virgins, the very famous ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five were foolish and five were wise. The foolish took their lamps, but they didn't take any oil. The wise took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was long time in coming. They fell drowsy, they fell asleep, and boom, at midnight, here's the time. And the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps, but the foolish ones said, Give us some of your oil, our light is going out, our lamps are going out. And of course, they said, No, 
we won't have enough. And so they go and they buy some, but the door had been closed. What is the lesson? Verse 13, keep watch. You do not know the day of the hour. I know Jesus is coming. His coming is imminent. I don't know when it is. Be ready. Have your oil. Don't assume that you will be able to respond in time. Always be ready for the coming of the Lord. On Tuesday, we look at the very famous parable of talents, five talents. The man going on a journey gave his servants. He trusted their property. He treated them as stewards. A steward is a person that does not own anything. They are taking care of something. You and I are stewards. We are not owners. God is the owner. He's letting us use his property, and we are to be stewards of it. Someone got five talents, then two, then one. And the parable is a powerful parable about how you use the gifts that God has given you. How do you use what you've been entrusted with? Not everybody gets the same thing. Some people get more than others. Some people get less. And that comes in all kinds of shapes and sizes. And the first one does very well. He gets five more. And the master says in verse 21, well done. Good and faithful servant, you've been faithful with a few. I put you in charge of many. Come and share your master's happiness. And the second one then comes because there's an accounting. See, all of us are going to have to account for what we've done in this life. I want you to be ready. I want you to do the will of the Lord. I want you to trust in the Lord. I want you to put your faith in the Lord. He's, I want you to use the gifts and talents, skills, blessings that he's given you. Use it for good. Two came. I've given you two more. And he says the same thing. But the other one didn't do it. He was afraid. He buried his talent. And his master replied in a very negative way, being a wicked, lazy servant. Take it from him and give it to the one who has ten. For everyone who has given will be given more. And he will have an abundance. Abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has, will be taken from him. And then there was the serious consequences of him being thrown outside in the darkness. Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, it is imperative that you use your life in such a way that glorifies God, not for yourself. You are here to be a steward of the Lord, and at the end there will be a day of reckoning. Reckoning it should not scare you, but delight you. A day where God will weigh the balance. He will look at the scales and to see how you and I have done. I pray you do very, very well. Then finally, the sheep and the goats. There's the judgment. The sheep on the right, the goats on the left. And then he invites them into his kingdom. And of course, all of you know this verse, very famous. I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Lord, when did we see you do all those things? And the king, Jesus, will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of the least of these, brothers or sisters of mine, you did for me. And so then there's that great uh, separation at the end of chapter 25 where the ones that did not do that were sent into hell. Verse 46, very strong. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but, to, but the righteous will go to eternal life. So do good works, folks. Faith without works is dead. Do what God tells you to do. Follow his will. Be obedient to his commands. Listen to him. Learn. Mark. Inwardly digest. Then we get into the preparation for Jesus' death in 26, and he dies in 27. 
the plot against Jesus. He's anointed at Bethany. Judas agrees to betray him. And then, of course, we have the great Lord's Supper, 17 to 25, which is on Friday. The Lord's Supper, which all of you, I'm sure, are very familiar with. Read that slowly and carefully. And then um, we have 26 to 35, which is about the denial of Peter. I'm going to be with you, Jesus. I have, if they all forsake you, that's fine, but I never will. Verse 33, and Peter, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, this very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. Peter says very confidently, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the disciples said the same. But sadly, as you all of you know the story, when push came to shove, they left. They all left. And they left him there dying on a cross. And they had fled earlier in the um, preparation of Jesus for crucifixion. And so uh, it's a sober comment on our need to trust in Christ. And when there's crisis and difficulty, it's very difficult to do. So we pray for one another that we can do that. So Joshua, the first several chapters of Joshua, and God's readiness and bringing them in to the promised land of which will be theirs. And of course, in Romans, Israel, some very practical ways to live in chapter 12. And then in chapter 13, the beginning of chapter 13, 1 through 7, we have this amazing text, series of texts about the government and the state. And then finally, in Matthew, the preparation for Jesus to die, but also the three famous parables that he says at the end of his life uh, in preparation, preparation for his death. The parable of the ten that are ready to, for the bridegroom. Ten, five were foolish, five were wise. Be ready, folks. Be always ready. And then, of course, stewardship with the talents. And finally, the separation of the sheep and the goats. You do not want to be a goat. You want to be a sheep. You want to be sensitive to the needs of others. You want to be sensitive to God's will in your life, helping others, uh, visiting people, caring about people, loving people. So Lord God, bless each and every person this week as they read the word of God and give them time, give them um, the revelation of the Lord, give them understanding so that they might be blessed with these great series of readings this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have a great week of reading the sixth Sunday after Pentecost, proper 10. Enjoy, and I pray that God will bless you abundantly. See you next week.